Good evening, dummies. Episode 144, Wednesday, April 28th, 7.11 p.m. Great to see everybody tonight. We are going to have a long episode. I can already tell you it's going to be long. There's a lot to cover. 17,000 followers on the site. Unreal. Uh, and it's actually 17.5 now. We're getting awful close to 20. There's actually a post that's at 12,000 likes around um, a baseball player who ran on the field and picked up a flag that was about to be lit on fire. You may have seen the story. I believe it was with uh, Rick Monday from Chicago Cubs. I know Rick Monday from the Los Angeles Dodgers. I grew up as a Dodgers fan in California, and it's a, an amazing story. If you haven't seen it, go, go see it. It's I would consider viral at this point because it's outside my network, and in fact, I can't even send invites anymore because I've eclipsed the amount that I can send. My wife has and I have, so obviously it's doing pretty well. There are thousands of people on there who are waiting for an invite to don't unfriend me. So I hope it continues to go to the moon. What are we covering tonight? I'm wearing a shirt from uh, revolutionary fitness, Bakersfield, California. Good friend of mine, Trevor Bender and team run revolutionary fitness and they, they ship all over the country. So I will uh, have a link to that. They are fantastic. If you're looking for protein, any type of supplements, they are the place to go. They are really a good group of guys and they will take care of you and offer you all the things you need to get into shape and take care of yourself. No, they're not paying for this. I just like to go ahead and talk about awesome people tonight. What are we going over? Well, it's going to be interesting. John Kerry, the male Jane Fonda, you remember him had hopes of presidential race, vice president, all of that other stuff. And the man is useless as tits on a bore, and I'll go over it. I usually don't disparage veterans. I think anyone who served deserves credibility, respect, and I will do those things. But his record is atrocious, and we're going to go into it tonight. The Supreme Court is going to hear a concealed carry case, which is extremely important for the people of New York and could set precedent around the other liberal states. Lastly, we're going to go into critical race theory and why it's full of crap. And the 1619 Project is about as much BS as you could possibly find in one place under one theory. But first, this was really popular a few months back when I did this uh, in regards to what would politicians say in certain situations. So we're going to do that again tonight. And really it comes down to why did the chicken cross the road and what politicians would say. Donald Trump would say, I've been told by my many, many sources, good sources, they're very good sources, that the chicken crossed the road all the fake news wants to do is write about nasty things about the road, but it's really a good road. It's a beautiful road. Everyone knows how beautiful it is. Joe Biden would say, why did the chicken do the, you know, the thing? You know the rest. Sarah Palin, the chicken crossed the road because gosh darn, he's a maverick. Barack Obama would say, let me be perfectly clear. If chickens like their eggs and they can keep their eggs, no chicken will be required to cross the road to surrender her eggs, period. AOC, chickens should not be forced to lay eggs. This is because of corporate greed. Eggs should be able to lay themselves. John McCain, may God rest his soul. My friends, the chicken crossed the road because he recognized the need to engage in cooperation and dialogue with all the chickens on the other side of the road. Hillary Clinton, what difference at this point does it make why the chicken crossed the road at all? George W. Bush we don't really care why the chicken crossed the road. We just want to know if the chicken is on our side of the road or not. The chicken is either with us or against us. There is no middle ground here. Dick Cheney, where's my gun? Bill Clinton, I did not cross the road with that chicken. Al Gore, I invented the chicken. 
Al Sharpton, why are all the chickens white? Dr. Phil, the problem we have here is that this chicken won't realize that he must first deal with the problem on the side of the road before it goes after the problem on the other side of the road. What we need to do is help him realize how stupid he is by acting and not taking on his current problems before adding any new problems. Oprah, well, I understand that the chicken is having problem, which is, which is why he wants to cross the road so badly. So instead of having the chicken learn from his mistakes and take falls, which is part of life, I'm going to give this chicken a new car so that he can just drive across the road and not live his life like the rest of the chickens. Anderson Cooper, we have reason to believe there is a chicken, but we have not yet been allowed to have access to the other side of the road. Nancy Grace, that chicken crossed the road because he's guilty. You can see it in his eyes and the way he walks. Pat Buchanan, to steal the job of decent, hardworking Americans. Martha Stewart, no one called me to warn me which way the chicken was going. I had a standing order at Farmer's Market to sell my eggs when the price dropped to a certain level. No little bird gave me any insider information. Dr. Seuss, did the chicken cross the road? Did he cross it with a toad? Yes, the chicken crossed the road, but why it crossed, I have not been told. Ernest Hemingway, to die in the rain, alone. King David, O oh Lord, why dost thou chicken cross thy road? And why art the chicken hawks beset around it? Surely in the vein, the road is crossed in the sight of any predator. Grandpa, in my day, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. Somebody told us the chicken. Oh, we got to do this in a grandpa voice. In my day, we didn't ask why the chicken crossed the road. Somebody told us the chicken crossed the road. And that was good enough for us, it. Barbara Wawa, Walters. Isn't that interesting? In a few moments, we'll be listening to the chicken tell for the first time the heartwarming story of how it experienced a serious case of molting and went on to accomplish its lifelong dream of crossing the road. Aristotle, it is the nature of chickens to cross the road. Bill Gates, I have just released eChicken 2017, which will not only cross roads, but will lay eggs, file your important documents, and balance your checkbook. Internet Explorer is an integral part of eChicken 2017. This new platform is much more stable and will never reboot. Albert Einstein, did the chicken really cross the road or did the road move between the chicken and beneath the chicken? Colonel Sanders, did I miss one? John Kerry, although I voted to let the chicken cross the road, I am now against it. It was the wrong road to cross, and I was misled about the chicken's intentions. I am not for it now and will remain against it till the day that I die. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, good evening, everybody. It's wonderful. I hope you got a laugh out of that. It's a good, beautiful evening. It's warm. I need my ceiling fan installed. I finally realized that it is too damn hot in this house at times. My name is Matt. I'm with Don't Unfriend Me. What do we do here? We do a lot. We talk about current events. We talk about the ups and the downs, the lefts and the rights, all the thing going, things going on in the current events in the world today. Sometimes you may agree. Sometimes you may disagree. You may love me. You may hate me. It really doesn't matter. Just don't unfriend me. And let's get started because we don't have a lot of time. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe and all that stuff. Visit me on don'tunfriendme.com and you can get all of my podcasts and my 
previous episodes and catalog right there. You can also leave some nice things to say. Let's get into it right now. On Monday, Idaho State Senate passed a bill already passed by the state house that would ban the teaching of critical race theory in schools. What is critical race theory? Well, I'm about to tell you. HB 377, which will now be sent to the GOP, Governor Brad Little, for his signature states, no public institution of higher education, school district, or public school, including a public charter school, shall direct or otherwise compel students to personally affirm, adopt, or adhere to any of the following tenets. That any sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin is inherently superior or inferior. That individuals should be adversely treated on the basis of their sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. Or that individuals by virtue of sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin are inherently responsible for actions committed in the past by other members of the same sex, race, ethnicity, religion, color, or national origin. Holy Lord. No distinction or classification of students shall be made on account of race or color. No course of instruction or unit of study directing otherwise compelling students to personally affirm, adopt, or adhere to any of the tenets identified in paragraph A of this subsection shall be used or introduced in any institution of higher education, any school district, or public school, including a charter school. What does all that mean? Well, Republican Senator Carol Crabtree, who sponsored the bill, stated this bill does not intend to prohibit discussion in an open and free way. It is preventative measure. It does not indicate that we have a rampant problem in Idaho, but we don't want to get one, as a Daily Mail reported. Critical race theory, as I will go into, is a whole bunch of subjective nonsense, and we're going to talk about it. It's an alternative way of seeing reality, and unfortunately, that means it's made up. Critical race theory is not provable, it's not solvable, and there really is no basis in fact. It's all feeling and emotion, which is usually what liberals do. But Idaho is taking a stand, and I will be honest with you, I'm about 10 seconds from moving to Idaho. It is the freest state in the union, more than Texas now. Idaho is amazing. My cousin lives there, and I've looked over some of their state laws, and it is by far one of the last places of freedom in these United States. The Idaho Freedom Foundation, which might as well be the whole state, which states that its mission since 2009 has been to advance conservative principles, limited government, free markets, and self-reliance, acknowledge the bill, bans public institutions of higher education and K-12 schools from compelling students to adopt or affirm the diverse tenets of critical race theory, but still expressed its disappointment with the bill, stating, the bill does nothing to protest faculty members, professors, or teachers. Under House Bill 377, faculty members, teachers, and professors could still be forced to undergo anti-racism or culturally responsive training if they wish to serve on search committees or even obtain or keep a job. When educators are trained to be activists, the classroom becomes inherently political and one-sided. Additionally, the bill imposes no consequences on public universities and schools that violate Section 33-138 of the bill by compelling students to affirm critical race theory. Such consequences could be holding back funds, recognizing cause for unemployment, or other disciplinary action. Therefore, this bill does not provide sufficient accountability for public schools and universities. This is being taught in our schools here in Virginia. My daughter is taught that men are inherently sexist and to watch out for that, and that my son is a predator simply because some guys are complete assholes. We're also taught that And they are also taught that they are racist inherently and that they have some sort of deep embedded thought process in their DNA that subjects anyone different than them to racial conversation, racial treatment, and preferential treatment to people who are just like them. And I have no understanding of why. 
I've never met a child whose first word is a racial slur. It is a learned behavior. It's just like somebody who works in retail and understands to pull $10 out of the drawer. That is an experiential learning experience. It's just something that someone probably feels they need some money. They take the money and then go ahead and either have guilt for it, never do it again, replace it, or continue down a crime spree. But the person who alters inventory levels and empties boxes and puts previous video game systems in them, buys those for $20 and then replaces it into a box of a $300 system and then alters inventory levels and does cash refunds is a learned behavior. Those type of grandiose type schemes are certainly something that someone else teaches them. They either get it from another partner or they actually learn about it or read about it on the internet or they have another store in the market that does the same thing. But either way, it is an epidemic. Critical race theory and racial prejudices are learned behaviors. Nobody comes out of the womb thinking this. And the opposite holds true, that not everybody is going to go ahead and take critical race theory and then absolve their souls of racism, even if they were already taught that. In fact, some people might find it to be oppressive. Other people might disagree with it and people will resist, which is human nature. So in the scheme of things, you're actually creating a cause and effect that's opposite of your intended plan. Critical race theory only says that there is one way, and there is no other way, and either you agree or you're a racist. Critical race theory believes racism is present in every aspect of life, every relationship, and every interaction, and therefore has its advocates look for it everywhere. Relies upon interest convergence. White people only give black people opportunities and freedoms when it is also in their own interest, and therefore doesn't trust any attempt to make racism better is against free societies and wants to dismantle them and replace them with something it advocates, control. Only treats race issues as socially constructed groups, so there are no individuals in critical race theory. Believes science, reason, and evidence are a white way of knowing and that storytelling and lived experience are a black alternative which hurts everyone, especially black people. Rejects all potential alternatives, like colorblindness as forms of racism, making itself the only allowable game in town, which is totalitarian. Acts like anyone who disagrees with it must do so for racist and white supremacist reasons, even if those people are black, which is also totalitarian. Yes, they've actually called people like Candace Owens racist. Cannot be satisfied, so it becomes a kind of activist black hole that threatens to destroy everything it is introduced into. Critical race theory believes racism is present in every aspect of life, every relationship, and every interaction. There's no escape from it. There's nothing we can do. If it is in everything we do, in the very air that we breathe, then how do we go ahead and get away from it? How do we move through this? How do we progress as a civilized society? We understood how to get out of the Great Depression. Government had to tighten its belt. Government had to create manufacturing on the home front, stop importing so much and start creating exports and moving into the steel industry and technology and start competing with other rival technologies. When we had the pandemic take something most recently, yes, maybe not worked completely, but we understood that we had to put masks on and socially distance for a time until we could have some sort of vaccine, a vaccine that's now causing impotence and reproductive systems to go haywire if you haven't had the shot, if you haven't read this, which is really interesting, but I don't want to get banned from Facebook since anyone who's saying anything about it is getting blacklisted. 
When there's a problem, we fix it. We want to go to the moon while we launch up 16 rockets that blow up and kill people. And then eventually we get one right. And then we reproduce that scenario. That is the thing that we try to do with just about any issue that we face. If we're cold in the winter, we build a fire. If we can't eat in the winter months, we go hunting and we store food. These are the things that we have done through society to get better. There's no water. We find carrying devices to bring them to point A to point B. But this doesn't have a solution. It simply is what it is, and it's in the ether. Number two, interest convergence. White people only give black people opportunities when freedoms and freedoms when it also is in their own interest. Well, once again, anything that white people do is simply for their own interest. Every time Donald Trump talked about the contract with black America or Ronald Reagan did, oh, it was just to get reelected. Anytime anyone hires a black person, oh, it's just a token title, just to meet a quota. Any type of police officer lets a black person off is it's just trying to earn credibility inside the hood. Well, let me ask you a question. Why is it that way? Why can't a police officer do something right for somebody without impacting a racial comment like the hood? Why can't somebody go ahead and elevate a person of color to a position simply because they earned it based on merit? Where we not necessarily have to make the title every five seconds on every different company in the world, the first black CEO was hired. Go on LinkedIn. That's all you see. First female to be hired as CEO for this company. First black person. It's literally a race to who can go ahead and be socially aware, quicker and woke than everyone else. Number three, critical race theory is against free societies. Well, it truly is because you are bound by the laws that they say. It doesn't have to be based on fact. As long as you understand that you are being kept down and kept in place inside the inner city and inside your station in life simply because the white man says so, there's no way to grow from there. If whiteness is the problem, then whiteness is ever present. If it's something more than that, if it's deeper than that, maybe the policies or the way that we handle minorities and the way that we educate and the things that we're telling them really are the problem versus what isn't, could that possibly be it? No, no, no. It's simply because the white man is keeping you down. Critical race theory only treats race issues as socially constructed groups. So there are no individuals in critical race theory. Everyone's collective and you are defined simply by the color of your skin. And that encompasses all about you. Isn't that racist? If we only break people down to the color of their skin, I believe that is the definition of racism. Critical race theory believes science, reason, and evidence are white. And they're the white way of knowing that storytelling and lived experience are black alternative. Here's the problem. This is why critical race theory in itself is completely racist. Because it's saying that everything that is wrong with the world today is because of white people. Doesn't that sound familiar? I wonder if we went back into the annals of history, especially in Nazi Germany, and listened at who they blamed for their society when the Jews came to power and literally ran Germany. What did they say? That the Jews were dirty, that the Jews were, they killed Jesus, that the Jews had all the money, that they were going to turn Germany into a non-free state, that their policies were very, very liberal, and that the German people were actually being oppressed by the Jews, when that is the farthest thing from the truth. Critical race theory rejects all potential alternatives like colorblindness as forms of racism. So let me get this straight. If you're a white person and you're trying to align and you truly believe in your heart, that there is no color, that yes, there are skin colors and pigmentation differences between people, but ultimately, inherently, we are the same. 
Our skeletal structures are the same. Our blood inside of our bodies is the same. Our hearts, minds, and souls are the same, no matter our trials and tribulations. And then we use that as a way to say, I don't see color. I see the person in front of me. You're racist. There's no such thing as colorblindness. By you saying that you don't see race, what you're saying is, is you don't see racism. Do you see how this is? Do you see how this goes? Somebody comes to your house and they say, hi, what are we having for dinner? And you're saying, well, I'm having pizza. And they're like, ooh, is that gluten-free pizza? And you're like, no, it's not. It's just regular pizza. Oh, I can't have that. You're being insensitive to my gluten allergy. Oh, well, that's that's fine. Uh, what if I make you a nice salad? Okay, that sounds good. And you're like, great. Well, I'll put a little bit of cheese on it. Oh, wait a second now. I'm lactose intolerant. I can't have cheese. Why are you insensitive to my lactose issues that I have? Well, how about, how about just a salad with some tomatoes and cucumbers? Oh, is that organic? Listen, you can never eclipse the expectations of these assholes. No matter what you say, there is a counter argument. It is a catch-22 of epic proportions, and literally, it is the merry-go-round of conversation. No matter what you say, you will spin in circles, and you will wind up in the exact same place that you started. Critical race theory acts like anyone who disagrees with it must do so for racist and white supremacist reasons, even if those people are black, including me. And I'm not black, by the way, if you didn't know. But I am a racist now because I am challenging critical race theory. The only thing that I challenge on critical race theory is of all their beliefs and all the structure and this philosophy that white people are the cause of everyone's demise. The simple question that I have is prove it with a number. Give me one solidary fact. Give me one piece of evidence that's not circumstantial or based on emotion and you can't. There's not a policy that you can refer to. This is in the 1960s. This isn't the time of Jim Crow. This isn't the time of slavery. There are laws that are so far above what we used to be that now some of the laws that we've had are actually considered racist towards white people. And we all have understood that with job applications, college admission, affirmative action, welfare. We can go on and on and on. Now, am I complaining? No. What I'm saying is, is that you cannot point to one law that is absolutely 100% racist. It's in written writing today. And you can go to the legal system if you want. And you can tell me that people who deal crack cocaine, which is predominantly what they say, a black drug, versus people who do methamphetamines, which is predominantly a white drug, serve more jail time. And that is absolutely untrue. It's 30 years for both. The times are not the 1960s. And you cannot live in the past. Critical race theory cannot be satisfied no matter what we do. There is no expectation that we can reach. There is no plateau. There are no goals. It is simply agree with this and shut up and be silent or you'll be labeled a racist and you will be ostracized from society. John Kerry, over the last day, secret recordings of Iran's Javad Sarif were leaked. What was revealed were a variety of interesting nuggets. One of those was the extent to which Iran was reliant on Qasem Soleimani before Donald Trump Trump sent him to the next life. Notably, Joe Biden opposed that attack because he needed to keep his streak of being wrong about every major foreign policy decision of the last 40 years going. But there was another thing mentioned on the tapes that was deeply disturbing. 
As Red States reported, you can read that on redstate.com, Zarif made the claim that John Kerry had leaked classified intelligence to him, letting Iran know about Israeli attacks in Syria. After the report, the Biden administration claimed the attacks were public knowledge, and that's what Kerry shared. But now Kerry is denying that the entire discussion ever happened in the first place. There are two possible explanations here. Either John Kerry is lying or Zarif is lying because the tapes say what they say. This isn't some anonymous claim made up by a political enemy, and because of that, Kerry doesn't get to play both sides of the fence on this. Given that, let's assume Zarif is lying that Kerry never actually shared the intelligence with him. If that's true, then Kerry has just backed himself into a corner. He can't simultaneously say not to believe Zarif, the supposed moderate in Iran, while at the same time stumping for a return to the Iran deal and lauding his previous work on that front. That extends to the Biden administration as well because they have chosen to employ Kerry as some kind of climate czar. If they are going to not fire Kerry and instead buy his denials here, then they are now in the position of enforcing the assertion that Iran is led by liars who can't be trusted. So why would we ever get into a deal with them? Do you know what you don't do with liars who can't be trusted? You don't sign nuclear agreements with them. Here's David Harsanai levying some very good questions about all of this. He also notes that John Hudson, the reporter running cover for Kerry, is the same hack who confirmed the Russian bounty story that turned out to be fake news that I talked about on an earlier show. Quote, I see no reason to believe John Kerry on this front. In my view, Zarif had no incentive to lie in the leaked tapes as he was talking to someone he trusts. Further, we already know that Kerry was colluding with Iranians during the Trump years, advising them on how to get around U.S. policy. It should surprise no one that he would share intelligence with Zarif. For whatever reason, John Kerry has time and time again chosen to basically operate as a foreign asset at the behest of the Iranians. Someone should probably figure out why sooner rather than later before something really dangerous happens. But this isn't news. John Kerry is a scumbag, and he's been a scumbag since long before I was involved in this game. In 1971, when I wasn't even a gleam in my father's eye or an itch in my daddy's pants, a little-known Yale-educated anti-war activist testified before the United States Senate on the Vietnam War and what troops were really doing there. This man had been a former lieutenant in the Navy and had served as a skipper of a patrol boat out of Comron Bay. In his four-month tour, he had accumulated three Purple Hearts, a Bronze Star, and a Silver Star. Quite the salad. This individual should have been the epitome of respectability, and we as a community community should have embraced him with open arms forever. He got all the right merit badges after all. Well, actually, no. You can tell from the photo that I'll show you right here. That was taken when he testified that he had no respect for the uniform he once wore. Anyone who wears their duty uniform with medals and ribbons on it is a grade A douchebag. Just being honest. One veteran to another. When he testified to the Senate, it was clear that he was overdosing on vitamin douche. After he was done, he proceeded to join one of the greatest displays of douchebaggery American veterans have ever taken part of. He and several bearded, long-haired men in bits of their odd uniform proceeded to throw their medals back at Congress. This douche was John Kerry. Now, before I talk about how he's still a douche, I need to talk about the infamous Winter Soldier. Kerry and a lot of the leadership in VVAW, Vietnam Veterans Against the War, held a big symposium to find as many war crimes and atrocities committed by U.S. forces in Vietnam as they could. A majority of the stories collected shocked the conscience. But the majority were also devoid of date, time, name, place, 
It happened. Unit involved. Basic details that should have been common knowledge. And I'm not going to say that they weren't legitimate stories of rape, murder, and units gone wild. We all know those are true. Bad things happen in war. We all know that. But the sole purposes of Winter Soldier was to find as many potential malaise as possible. Then blast them before the world to show that, in fact, Americans uh, were baby killers. In his own words, quote, American troops in Vietnam personally raped, cut off ears, cut off heads, taped wires from portable telephones to human genitalia, and turned up the power, cut off limbs, blew up bodies, randomly shot at civilians, raised villages in fashion reminiscent of Genghis Khan, shot cattle and dogs for fun, poisoned foods, stocks, and generally ravaged the countryside of South Vietnam in addition to the normal and very particular ravaging which is done by the applied bombing power of this country. There are all kinds of atrocities, and I would have to say that, yes, yes, I committed the same kind of atrocities as thousands of other soldiers have committed. Interesting thing. Most of the people that told these stories were later found to have never served in the military, let alone Vietnam. Mr. Dick Blumenthal, the Marine who said he who serves currently right now, who claimed that he was a Vietnam veteran, was indeed not. I'm not saying John Kerry didn't serve. I'm not saying John Kerry didn't earn what he got. I'm just saying most people that tell stories usually are doing just that. In essence, Kerry and his ilk were some of the first enablers of stolen valor. I'd also like to ask at what point is a lieutenant in the United States Navy, not a SEAL or a CB, going to go ashore to rape and pillage or maybe an intel specialist attached to the teams, but they didn't have that back then. Another interesting thing, I have yet to hear of an actual case where a U.S. soldier or sailor, airman, or Marine would cut ears off the enemy combat dead and string them up like a necklace. But Kerry testified that just such occurrences were commonplace, in essence, comparing U.S. service members to one of the greatest boogeymen of history, Dolph Lundgren, in that horrible Universal Soldier movie. It fed into years of truly horrendous movies about Vietnam and its veterans and almost two decades of the American people deeply mistrusting their troops. Did I mention he used this as a springboard for the political career, or did I mention that he was very chummy with Miss Jane Fonda, Hanoi Jane herself? Right at the height of her truly treasonous activities, there are actual pictures of Carrie and Fonda together at, pardon the language, fuck the troops rallies. I didn't know half of this when he was running for president. I was, as they say, busy doing other things myself. Being somewhat more important to me than presidential politics was serving my country and trying to do as honorably as I could. I honestly had no clue about swift boating or if I really cared. I am told that the 2004 campaign sank to the whole new level of douchebaggery, not seen till 2008, then surpassed in 2012, and most recently with the current election in 16 and 20. I'm not going to get into debate of whether or not he actually deserved the medals he got. There are more than enough sources to go either way. He knows it, and if he earned them, good for him. If he didn't and inflated tales of heroism, then the military ought to strip those medals from his record. It also is the height of a hypocrisy to throw your medals away one day, then mention how much of a war hero you are in another when running for president. You threw your medals. You turned your back on the services. Fine. Don't play buddy-buddy with the same services later on to win brownie points with voters. That's kind of the lack of testicular fortitude that deserves to have you scrubbing latrines for the rest of your life. 
We could also talk about his comments about the current U.S. soldiers calling all of us, in fact, terrorists. American soldiers are going into the homes of Iraqis in the dead of night, terrorizing kids and children. You know, women breaking sort of the customs of the end of the historical customs, religious customs. Way to go, John. We could also talk about his truly insane comment. Education. If you make the most of it, you study hard, you do your homework and make and you make an effort to be smart, you can do well. And if you don't, you get stuck in Iraq. Context or not, only an idiot would fail to see that if you had, in fact, been stuck in Iraq, that might seem a tad bit insulting. Not to worry, the folks over there and over in Minnesota, more specifically, the third, the 34th ID Red Bulls came up with a timely and truly hilarious response that went viral, shaming the former presidential candidate even more. So with all this in mind, why on earth would anyone elect this guy to anything more than a dog catcher? I have no clue. And I'd ask the people of the great state of Massachusetts, however, seen as they elected Elizabeth Warren, a person who lied about being part Native American, to get grants for favors in college and is rapidly somewhere left of Lenin and kept sending Barney Frank, despite the fact his horrendous mismanagement of Fannie and Freddie, which essentially caused the housing market crash. I'd say asking Massachusetts to use common sense and their elected officials might be asking a bit much. This, of course, not even touching Ted Kennedy, who openly tried to subvert President Reagan by speaking directly to the Soviets and apologizing for Reagan being the president. But now he is a climate envoy because president and secretary of state didn't work. I'm sure that a blind monkey with Tourette's could do better than Madam Hillary Clinton, who apparently had fainting spells every time the House or Senate want to ask tough questions about screw-ups she had direct involvement in. But Carrie? When I first read that, I thought that was a joke. Obviously, no one was actually serious about that. No, in fact, they are. I'm sorry, but that's just plain unacceptable. The idea that John Kerry, who spent the last 40 years bad-mouthing our troops, might somehow become the official mouthpiece for these United States is, quite frankly, appalling. I'd like to think that someone, preferably nonpartisan, would stand up in, in the Senate and say, hey, this nomination or any other nomination is freaking insane. Why the hell are we allowing this? No doubt there would be some butthurt regardless of who was involved, but this just smacks of bad idea. I have sadly no doubt that this nomination or any nomination or any position that John Kerry holds throughout the future will buzz right through the Senate and he will be passed along like a very small and tiny kidney stone going through something the size of the Lincoln Tunnel. They are too busy doing things like creating a budget, meaningful entitlement reform, or realistic immigration reform, or ensuring that there are no more crashes. And hey, maybe even tackling our national debt. Actually, no, they're not doing any of that because after all, they are politicians and as useless as John Kerry because he's one of them. The Supreme Court. The Supreme Court agreed Monday to review state restrictions on concealed weapons permits, opening a possible path to the first major expansion of gun rights since the, since the justices recognized the Second Amendment entitlement to armed self-defense more than a decade ago. For more than a century, New York state laws has limited concealed weapons to applicants of good moral character who demonstrate proper cause for a license. Only proper cause for a license you should need is the Constitution of the United States. Two gun owners in a state affiliate of the NRA contend the provision is unconstitutional because it requires applicants to give specific reasons for carrying on expressing a general fear of crime. Tom King, executive director of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, said that the state law was vague and arbitrarily applied by local judges or law enforcement officials who make proper cause decisions. Somebody, quote, somebody in one county can get a concealed carry permit and some in another county can't. 
There's no rhyme or reason to it, Mr. King said. Quote, if you have the legal right to possess a legal firearm, why shouldn't you be able to use it and carry it to protect yourself outside your home? New York Democratic governor for now, Andrew Cuomo, who signed legislation curbing access to weapons following the 2012 massacre of 26 children and adults at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut, called the lawsuit an assault on public safety. What would you expect from a commie? Imagine someone carrying a gun, quote, through Times Square onto the subway or to a tailgate outside of a Bills game, he said Monday. The streets of New York aren't the OK Corral and the NR's dream, NRA's dream of a society where everyone is terrified of each other and armed to the teeth is abhorrent to our values. Have you ever been in New York after one o'clock in the morning or even three o'clock in the afternoon in some parts? Once again, liberals completely detached from reality. Go figure. In a 2008 landmark case, District of Columbia versus Heller, the high court recognized an individual right to self-defense in the home and two years later extended that holding nationwide in McDonald versus Chicago. But those opinions affirm the government's power to regulate that right within reason, for instance, to ban guns in sensitive places such as schools and government buildings. And in succeeding years, lower courts have upheld most weapon restrictions that gun advocates have challenged. To the frustration of the gun movement, the Supreme Court turned away nearly all appeals. The Supreme Court's lineup has changed significantly with three appointments of the former President Donald Trump, thank God, all of whom were supported by the NRA and the other gun advocates in the uh, expectation they would take a broader view of Second Amendment rights, along with Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito, who have criticized the court's reluctance to address Second Amendment claims. It appears likely that a majority will recognize that a right to arm self-defense extends beyond the home. More significant, however, may be the reason by which the court reaches that outcome. Lower courts almost exclusively have reviewed gun regulations under a two-part test that first asks whether the weapon's use is covered by the Second Amendment, and then if the regulation under challenge can pass constitutional scrutiny. That test has served to justify nearly every gun regulation, including New York State's proper cause requirement. Examining that law, the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New York found that the Second Amendment covered public carry of firearms, but that restricting public carry to those with demonstrated need was substantially related to the state's goals of public safety and crime prevention. Before their elevation to the Supreme Court, the two newest justices, Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett, espoused a different method for assessing Second Amendment rights, one that in many instances is likely to lead to greater access to firearms. Thank God. Maybe you could block it for like a year so I can actually get some ammo and buy some more guns because the shelves are completely bare. In a 2011 dissent, Justice Kavanaugh, then sitting on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, wrote that courts are to assess gun bans and regulations based on text, history, and tradition, not by a balancing test that weighs the restriction in relation to its justification. In a 2019 dissent, Justice Barrett, then a judge on the Chicago-based Seventh Circuit, adopted a similar position. Justice Thomas has looked at the issue in like fashion, while Justice Neil Gorsuch, who joined him, and Justice Alito in 2020 dissent, arguing that a court should have struck down a difference, a different and since appealed New York gun regulation, has focused on text and history throughout his opinions. Chief Justice John Roberts voted in the 5-4 majorities that expanded gun rights in the Heller and McDonald cases, but has expressed little else on the Second Amendment views. The court's three liberals are likely to defer to the state's judgment on gun laws. The NRA opposed the two nominated by former President Barack Obama, Justices Sonia Sotomayor and Ellen Kagan. 
The text history tradition approach doesn't necessarily spell doom for New York's law. The state, aware that the current Supreme Court often bases rulings on what it declares to be the original public meaning of constitutional text, grounded its defense in historical practice. With its brief citing public carry regulations from the 14th century, England through 17th century colonial America, America and into the 1800s when several states imposed good cause requirements for permits. But if the court adopts the Kavanaugh approach, I think you could be looking at a real revolution in the way that gun laws get analyzed. A law professor at Duke University and co-director of Duke Center for Firearms Law said the same thing. If the New York law is struck down on that basis, many of the weapon laws lower courts have upheld since 2010 will be challenged again, Mr. Blotcher said. Lawyers need lawyers and judges will need to study the history of gun regulation with cases dependent on uh, analogies between historical regulations and the kinds of modern problems we're dealing with today, like 3D printed guns or or guns in airplanes and other things that framers couldn't really have thought about, he said. The court's move complements the guns movement success on the legislative front where advocates have worked to expand the presence of concealed weapons in public places. The number of Americans with concealed carry permits rose to 19.48 million in 2020, up from 12.8 million in 15, according to the Crime Prevention Research Center, a gun rights group. Historically, concealed carry was heavily regulated in the 1800s. Prohibitions were common, even on the frontier, as cities tried to tamp down on duels and gunfights, according to Adam Winkler, a law professor at the University of California, Los Angeles, who has written a history of gun laws. In the 1920s and 30s, many states passed laws requiring licenses for concealed weapons. But amid fear of rising crime and criticism of permitting authorities, states began to loosen and do away with those restrictions in the 1990s, a trend that has accelerated in the recent years. Today, 19 states generally allow gun owners to carry concealed weapons without a permit, According to the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence, a gun control group, Montana, Utah, Tennessee, and Iowa all did away with permitting requirements during the current legislative session. The group said, New York is one of the eight states that still have what are called May issue laws, meaning law enforcement has broad authority to reject or approve permits for carrying concealed weapons. That is a mouthful, and I appreciate you standing by. A lot of information there. I will tell you the gunfight will be the next Roe versus Wade for the entire country. The Supreme Court has done everything it could to sit in the sidelines and not address this. And I understand why they haven't. But now is the time that we have this fight. It is on the precipice of boiling over to an epidemic. I think if you asked people who were actually at the insurrection and asked them what was the number one thing that bothered them. Was it that Donald Trump and the election was stolen? Or was it that Democrats were going to bleed the Constitution and take away our rights? I think the latter would be the question. I think everyone knew that Donald Trump was a temporary solution to a permanent problem. And whether he was in for four or eight years really mattered not. Eventually, he would have to leave the office, and we would be stuck with something other than what we ultimately wanted. We want fair and accurate representation of our constitution we don't want it altered we don't want it changed yes the founding fathers understood in their limited scope that technology would advance there was the machine gun at the time and no it wasn't something that could fit under your arm but to say that there weren't weapons that could have high volatility and high rapid deployment of rounds is incredibly naive a man with a cartridge revolver could do extensive damage There were also high-powered rifles at that time that also could do 
extensive damage. And in the Civil War and others, you started to see more of guerrilla tactics in some of the back lines and not musket-to-musket type fighting. The Founding Fathers weren't morons. That's why they made the Constitution a living, breathing document that could be altered. But it can only be altered by the will of the people, not the will of the government. I have said this a thousand times on this show. The government is not entitled to change the Constitution. It protects us from the government. We have a right to bear arms. There are no limitations to that. Now, in order to play nice with the world, we have made some accommodations, but it's time to stop making them. It is time to draw the line in the sand and to say that these overreaching policies that are limiting our ability to protect ourselves, which have a very real possibility to not only stop mass shootings, but limit where they happen. Because if you actually open up your eyes, you will realize that most of these mass shootings are in vulnerable places where there is no representation. There are no security. There are no armed guards. And yes, at times it has failed. But I would rather have a gun nearby on the body of a security officer that I can try to grab and fight my way through than to be throwing rulers and erasers and Elmer's glue at an assailant with an AR-15 with rounds that move supersonically and can tear me up with one shot. What do you want? Do you want to use harsh words and rhetoric or do you actually want to put rounds down range and have a chance to survive? I will take the chance every day of the week. And whether that's in a school or a church or at a baseball game, criminals don't follow rules. And it's not that difficult to sneak a weapon into a ball game. We have a choice. We can continue to give up our freedoms or we can arm ourselves and protect ourselves. Because let's face it, the police are done with this. We want to defund the police. We want to keep putting them in the spotlight and calling them racist. Cops are quitting in epic droves. They're taking early retirement. Nobody wants to be a cop anymore. I haven't heard that on any of my daughter or son's friends. None of them say that. Why? Because it's a thankless job and their parents are teaching them that you can be anything you want. Just don't be a policeman. It's up to us, folks. An armed society is a free society and is a safe society. And anyone who tells you any different is either a liberal or a politician. Folks, that's it for tonight. Thank you for watching my show, Veterans Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Please reach out, call this number, and ask for help. Veterans are the most important resource that we have coming back home from overseas and service. They are under some grueling conditions when they come back in transition. They need your help. Please call this number. If you can't, reach out to me. I will make that call with you. And if you can't do that, go to don'tunfriendme.com, click on the VCL link, and you'll be connected to an operator who can help you and find the help you need. And if you are a, a civilian, you can also call this number, and they will also get you the number that you need to find the help that you so desperately require. Folks, that's it for me tonight. I'll be back for 145 tomorrow. Go Avs. Good game tonight. Astros are back at 500. That's nice. Avs need to beat the Golden Knights tonight. We are injured. We are low on energy. We have played a lot of games over the last two months, and I'm just hoping we have a little bit left in the tank before we go to the playoffs. Folks, be good to each other. Thank you for all you do. Leave a comment, share, subscribe, like, all that type of stuff, and I will see you tomorrow.